Good afternoon, everyone. It's a great feast day today. Today, um, it helps we have the great weather, but today should be a day just of real joy for all of us. With everything kind of happening in the world and all the anxiety that's out there right now, today should be like that, one of those days of just a breath of fresh air to kind of let go of that and just find joy. So I hope to invite you into that uh, today in our Mass. Um, so when I think about today, I was, I was praying about, of course, my homily this weekend, and I was thinking about all the baptisms we do at Lourdes, which are a lot of baptisms, praise God. We used to say and focus that if we can't evangelize people, we'll just outpopulate them, um, which is happening at Lourdes, which is great. Um, but anyway, the, uh, when you do a baptism, there's a litany of saints. And in the ritual for baptism, it has the first couple names for the priest, you know, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us, St. Joseph, St. Peter and St. Paul, and St. John the Baptist. And then it just has the dot, dot, dot. And so I always am thinking about, you know, which saints to invoke. And the way I do it is I just kind of march through the centuries, and I think of, like, the big heavy hitters, right? And so I'm like, okay... St. Ignatius of Antioch, pray for us. Uh, St. Irenaeus, St. Justin Martyr, St. Mary Magdalene, um, St. Like the Cappadocian, St. Gregory of Nyssa, St. Gregory of Nazianzus, St. Basil the Great, St. Augustine, St. Monica, St. John Chrysostom, St. Scholastica, St. Benedict. We kind of march on and on and on and on. And it, it can, depending on how good my memory's working that day, it can go a while. And there's one of two reactions here at Lourdes. One reaction, which is, you know, it makes sense, is by the end of it, I'm like, does anybody have any other saints? And they're like, I think you covered it. <laughs> I was like, like 3,000 saints, FB. And then there's some of you who are like, you have the weird devotions to saints that no one has ever heard of in their entire life, and you want everyone to know that you know that saint, right? So you're like, St. Alexander the Charcoal Burner, Right, which is a real saint, actually. What I want to make is that there are so many saints. It is such a great sign of joy and hope for us as Christians. And as Catholics, right, we can have, there's a tension that you and I have to live in. We have to live in the joy of the gospel and the hope of heaven and of all the saints. And we have to also know that we have to live a life of serious discipleship following Christ. And I don't know if I'm right about this, though, but I think most of us were kind of bad-weather Catholics. Deep down, we have this fear, right, that, that no one's really good enough to go to heaven. And every, every year on the Feast of All Saints, we have this reading from Revelation 7. And I just love that reading because John looks out into heaven, and aren't you so happy that he doesn't see eight people? Right? He doesn't look at me like, and then I looked, and there were eight souls, you know? He doesn't say that. He says, I saw a multitude so great that no one could even count it. Isn't that such good news? I love that. The church only gives us a certain number of canonized saints, but certainly there are, there's an innumerable number more. A very cool thing I teach my RCIA class, we of course believe 
Hell is a real possibility for all of us, and we have to live a serious life following Jesus. But isn't it cool we have a canonized list of saints? There is no canonized list of the damned. Isn't that awesome? I love that. There is no list. You can look up in the church and you can say, this person's, we know this person's in heaven. There's no corresponding list on the other side. Here's the second point leading in today, though. Most of us, at some point, you know, we might be more optimistic, but a lot of us at different times in our Christian life, we despair that we can become saints. Um, if you know Flannery O'Connor, she's wonderful. A little bit of an acquired taste. She's maybe the greatest um, author of short stories in American history, and she was a very devout Catholic. And one of my favorite short stories from her is called The Temple of the Holy Ghost. Um, and there's this really funny section. There's this little girl, and she is just a pistol. And she's living in a bunch of, in an area where it's mostly Protestants, and she's kind of the one Catholic, and she's thinking about what she should be when she grows up. And she says this, uh, she had made up her mind to be a doctor when she grew up. She had since changed and decided to be an engineer. But as she looked out the window and followed the revolving searchlight, they're on their way to a carnival, she knew she would never, she would, she would have to be a saint. Because that was the occupation that included everything you could know. And yet, she knew she would never be a saint. She did not steal or murder, but she was a born liar and slothful, and she sassed her mother and was deliberately ugly to almost everybody. I love that. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I just love that line. She was a born liar. Amen. She goes on, and she's thinking through this about how, well, I should be a saint, but I just don't think I can do it. And at the end of this, this paragraph, she, it says, she could never be a saint, but she thought she could be a martyr if they killed her quick. I love that. If you haven't heard that story, it's great. She goes on to think about how she would die a martyr, and she, uh, she decided that she could be shot but not burned in oil. And I was like, amen. I resonate with that. But here's what I want to get at right here with this point this morning. There's two main points today. The first one, what the church wants to cry out to all of us, is that you were made, the reason God created you was to live in the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of God. That is why he made you. And you and I don't think about our homeland enough. Right? If you were, if you lived in a foreign country, you would daydream about going home. When I went to go learn Spanish in Mexico, it was really intense. We were in this really intense place, and I was, I was fine. It was a little, it was uncomfortable, but one of my friends who's a priest, he just, he, all he would think about was the day he would get home. We need to do that. We need to daydream about the day we will be home. If we don't dream of heaven, brothers and sisters, if our hearts aren't set there, Right? As Jesus says in Matthew 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we don't have our hearts set on heaven, we become enamored with this world. Pope Benedict, we're going to get to this today. 
Pope Benedict has a great line where he says, when we stop believing in heaven, politics becomes religion. And I think that's one of the main reasons our politics are so ugly right now, is because we don't believe in heaven. And so all we've got is this, and so we're going to fight like crazy because this is all we've got. When you believe in heaven and when your heart's set on that place, brothers and sisters, you have a hope that goes beyond the here and now. You and I are called to that. So the first point today is that you were made from for heaven. You were made to be there, and we need to think about that more. The city of God where there is no tear, where there is no night, where there is no suffering, and much more importantly, where there is the fullness of love. We need to set our hearts on that, and we need to know that that's why God created you. This life will go for all of us much quicker than we ever thought. And at the end of our life, all that will matter is if we loved, loved God and we followed His commandments. That's all that will matter. The second point is this, it's about unity. So when I, uh, I don't know, over the years I've always thought, there's a, we believe in the communion of saints, right? Today in the creed we will say, um, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. We say those words and we rush through them. I believe in the communion of saints. And I just want to spend the rest of our time just thinking about that one word, communion. I believe in the communion of saints. That word, of course, in the Greek is koinonia. Koinonia, right, and we, I, I've preached about this many times. Koinonia is sometimes translated as a partnership more commonly in the New Testament as fellowship. It's also, but the, the best translation of it is communion. Koinonia is the thing that you desire most in your entire life. Right? All I want in my life is I want an intimate communion with others. That's what I want. It's what the Holy Trinity is, right? The Holy Trinity is communion, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the word the New Testament uses many times. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, St. Paul uses it for the Eucharist. And that's how we say we talk about coming to communion. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. And here's my point. Sin creates division. Every year in RCIA when we get to sin, the way I like to talk about it is we think of sin as just like I broke a rule, which is also true. But why are those rules there? It's there because why sin is bad is because it destroys relationships. Sin is about division. 
When Adam and Eve, right, when they sin against God, they no longer trust each other. It creates division between them. It creates be division between them and God, and it spreads out from there. Communion is a complete and total miracle. And what brings communion, what brings that is some type of love. So I used to always joke, we have a communion of saints. There is a communion of couch potatoes. We all have this, right? Our loves can unite us. And so if you love stranger things, I love you. Right? <laughs> it's, it's gotten a little bit worse over the episodes. But if you, if you love something and someone else loves it too, it brings you closer together. Our loves tend to unite us. Sin divides, love unites. Our culture right now, as we all know, is extraordinarily divided. Maybe the most it's ever been. It's extraordinarily divided. And people who disagree with each other, they can't just disagree, they become enemies. The miracle of the New Testament brothers and sisters, is the communion of saints. It said, in the love of Christ, which is what begins all things, and that's the, the love of Christ always goes before our own love. But the love of Jesus breaks down the barriers of sin and division, and it unites and my challenge to you, there's two big challenges today. If you go home, you're like, okay, what was that homily about? The first one is that you were made for heaven. And your greatest hope in your heart and the greatest thing that drives you should not be a nice retirement house. It should not be that new car. It should not even be that your children are successful and healthy and all that. Your greatest desire should be to enter the heavenly Jerusalem. The second is this. The Catholic Church is meant to be a sign of union in a world that is divided. The Catholic Church is meant to be a sign of union in a world that is divided. Jesus says, in John's Gospel, he says, all men will love you or will know you because of the love you have for each other. The koinonia, the communion that we have at the altar, right, the, the love of God made flesh that we consume is what makes us love each other. And the world right now desperately needs this. And so I want to just challenge you. To be a Catholic doesn't just mean you go to church at one place versus the different one. The central mystery of Catholicism is communion. It flows from the Trinity. It breaks into our lives in the Eucharist. But it means that the people here at Mass today are not just fellow Catholics. They are, people, they are your brothers and sisters. And we're supposed to love each other in a way the world does not know. St. Paul says this. He says it all over the place. But this one's from Galatians 3. St. Paul says, now that faith has come, 
you are no longer under a guardian. But in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now listen to this. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Right now in our culture, labels. You're this race, I'm that race. You're this income level, I'm that income level. You're a Democrat, I'm a Republican. You're a conservative, I'm a liberal. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. When the love of God consumes us, brothers and sisters, what happens is we leave those things behind. And the things we cling to are the things that are His. And so today, our world desperately needs a sign of unity. It desperately needs a sign of hope. It doesn't know how to do that anymore. Right? Sin creates division. Love brings unity and reconciliation. And we are called to be a sign of that in the world through the love of Christ. So Jesus, today we ask you for that. Lord, may our hearts long May we long to be in heaven. Jesus, to be in that place where all the great saints are, but also all the unknown saints, where all are united perfectly to you, and because of that union, they are perfectly united to each other. Lord, may we love the things of heaven more than the things of earth, and may your church be one in the communion that you bring. 